You're listening to the Sports on Tap Podcast Network. Cheers to sports. And we have an NCAA March Madness segment in the middle of the pod, and uh, we have a guest with us today. So please introduce yourself uh, before we get into some of the, the madness discussion. Thanks for having me on, guys. This is uh, B Fox or, or Brian Fox, as some people know me. Uh, I've got new episode out now with B Frank on our podcast, B Fox and B Frank Show, talking about the tournament, Final Four, and everything college basketball. Um, got new episodes weekly, college football and college basketball season. And uh, I mean, this is my favorite time of year. So great to be here and, and shoot the shit with you guys. Yeah, thanks for coming on, my man. It is one of the best times of the year, really. Um, college basketball has lost a lot of steam, I feel like, throughout the years, but every year it comes right back in March and everyone's just right back into it. Yeah, and we're here. <laughs> yeah, it, it's back. I, but I wanted to say that, I don't know if you've been told this, but I feel like you got the perfect TV broadcast voice. I don't know if you've been told this in the past, but you have that like Joe Buck in you. I just hear it. I yeah, I actually spent a lot of time um, in high school and college. Did a lot of uh, play-by-play work for radio and TV. Um, nice. So yeah, that uh, I, I enjoyed my time. Um, it's not able to to transition it to to professionally, but yeah, spent spent a lot of time uh, doing that and love every second of it. But yeah, so. A couple other people have mentioned that in the past. <laughs> okay, not just me. Yeah, well, podcasting works too. It's yeah. okay. We'll get in one of those. Yeah, it's the, it's the era we're in now. Well, I know we were shooting the shit before the podcast, and uh, George asked you, uh, quite frankly, how's the bracket going? And um, we all had a similar answer, but you could tell the people, how's the bracket going? What are you feeling this year? What's different this year? Because I have some theories as well. This is uh, one of the worst brackets I've ever played. Those were clearly the two best teams all season. This year, a big difference is there are there were maybe 15 to 20 teams that looked great at different points this season, but all had pretty fatal flaws that looking back now, after a lot of them have been knocked out, you can kind of look and understand why. Um, you know, one of the, the big important things in, in March is guard play. And if you do not have solid guard play, it doesn't matter how good your big men are. You're still going to get bounced early. We saw that with two of my final four teams, <laughs> Gonzaga and Auburn. Uh, Auburn just running into a terrible matchup with Miami, who has great perimeter play. And mm-hmm. Gonzaga just got bullied by Arkansas. Nemhard did not have a good game. Really missed the guys they lost from last year. And then Tennessee... Rick Barnes could not get over the first weekend hump yet again. I keep falling for that. And uh, <laughs> Baylor got bounced early as well. So I went 0 for 4 in the final four, unfortunately. But it has been a super, super fun tournament to watch. It it really has. And like for me, I have two theories, right? And, I, and they're both contradicting to each other. I feel like the one and done and the, you know, unpredictability, the the no continuity between teams. We'll see more St. Peter's going far in the tournament. However, we go look in the final four right now, and we have the usual suspects of Duke, North Carolina, Villanova, and Kansas. So I don't know which way are we going. Are we going to, do you think we'll see more teams like St. Peter's and teams making these runs, or is it going to be just blue bloods in the final four, even though they're North Carolina is an eight seed, for example. I I think a fun thing, I 
the thing that makes tournaments the best, in my opinion, is upsets early and then kind of the, the better teams winning out late. Because you, you want to still have quality basketball in the final four and not like the UConn Butler championship game that was really, yeah. really hard to watch. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I, I think last year is a little bit of an anomaly um, because the, the summer was taken away. So a lot of those schools that normally rely on one and ones like Kentucky, like Duke, had historically awful years. Um, I think mm. they're going to be back to kind of a similar level, you know, not losing to 15 seeds like Kentucky did mm-hmm. this year, but back in the tournament each and every year. And I, I mean, we'll, we'll see hopefully more runs like St. Peter's. St. Peter's has a really underrated roster and was able to, to do a lot of things to confuse teams through a matchup zone out there, which you really don't see too much in uh, in high major college basketball. But um, I, I mean, I, I think it's uh it's a pretty fair final four. These are the four teams that have been playing the best uh, tournament. Totally. Like I, I thought in the preseason, I picked North Carolina to win the ACC. They figured out how to start playing like that team. Yeah. Like six games ago. Um, so now they're, <laughs> yeah, now they're right just, end of the year. <laughs> yeah. Perfect time. Um, but I'm, I'm really excited for these matchups. Of course, North Carolina Duke first time they've ever met in the postseason. Um, so a fitting, and uh, so to speak, of of Coach K's final year. Is that does that that's actually a fact? I did not. Oh, know. Yeah. The, the first time they've met in the tournament. Ever, yeah. They've uh, they, <laughs> they've wow. been like one game away a couple times, but yeah, for for as many times as they've played, this is uh, this is the first time. Wow, that that's pretty. That's that's quite interesting for me, especially just you know, given the fact we're just so used to seeing them play against each other so much that I guess I didn't realize that that was, you know. The actual factual statement. I like that. Yeah. I think it's interesting. My theory is because I know George's like sound a little contradicting and mine's a little contradicting too. <laughs> but even these blue bud, blue blood powerhouse teams have, I feel like a lot of veterans on them, right? And I feel like it might be a little different. I think with the exception of Duke, I mean, I'm not like a deep roster type of guy when it comes to college basketball, so I can't tell you everybody. And we all know. Banchero is a one-and-done type of freshman. So Duke might be the anomaly here. But if you looked at Kansas, we were watching, and they had, a, like, Remy Martin, who's a fifth-year senior. And what was the I think other he's guy? A like six, I think he's a six-year six senior. And Lightfoot is a six-year. Yeah, no, no. Remy's, fifth, I think, fifth-year. Four-year there, okay. I don't say. But whatever it was, Lightfoot was a multi-year guy there. They had a lot of vets. And I think even uh, North Carolina's roster, when I was looking, it was what RJ Davis is like a sophomore, and they had a couple more juniors and sophomores around. Only, I think, two, three freshmen on the team. And then, same thing with Villanova. They've been kind of known of having stars, but not as many one and done, like super duper stars. So, I feel like we might be transitioning to this, this place where we're going to get those crazy good one and dones, like going to some places like Duke and North Carolina and whatnot. But do you still think that? The, the you know the I guess the veteranness wins even with the powerhouses now the veteranness is the uh, what works in college basketball for the most part. It's really about finding that roster balance, and I think we're we're seeing a little bit of a, a shift away from just exclusively one and done. Like we're not going to see yeah. the Kentucky teams have like six or seven man classes of four and five stars. You know, just clear out everyone <laughs> who was there the year before. The yeah, um, there, we're seeing fewer and fewer guys, I feel like, that come in and can have an immediate big impact like Apollo type. Um, a lot of a lot of times it's it's guys, you know, building up 
over a couple of years to get to that level where they can be a double-digit scorer in college basketball. Um, and I think the transfer portal really changes that as well. Teams can get old quickly. Um, and, yeah. you know, we, we've seen a lot of teams have success with that. North Carolina bringing over Dawson Garcia and, more importantly, Brady Manick, who's been their leading scorer in the tournaments. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's great to get guys with a lot of stars out of high school next to their name. But when you can get guys who have already proven they can perform at a high level in, in college basketball, especially in a high major conference, those guys become even more valuable. So I, yeah. I think it's, it's basically going to be free agency now. We're already starting to see a lot of guys um, entering the transfer portal now that their team season is over. And I think that's going to be a much bigger way, a much bigger piece of, of roster building going forward. Um, you know, recruiting is still very important, but it's not the, the end all be all um, just, you know, filling up your roster with one and done anymore. Makes yeah, it's pretty sense. crazy. I think it's like you guys, like you mentioned Brady Manick, who's 23 years old. And we had like Remy Martin on Kansas, who's like 24. Houston had that one guy that's balding. I forgot his name. <laughs> that was like 25, 26 years old. More. Like, yeah, yeah, more. more. He was, oh yeah, like Faze Moore or whatever his name was, and you have all these guys. But it's interesting you say the transfer portal, you know, situations like that because it's really almost becoming NBA-ish, where the vet goes and signs with the like mid-year, the mid-level exception or whatever it is. And yeah, for them it's not mid-year, but it's becoming like that where it's like, oh, I'm gonna go join the Warriors this year. I'm gonna join the Lakers, you know, in the middle of the season and be the random on team that helps them win championship and. I feel like right about that. We're going to definitely see a mix of, okay, you have the these two five stars on Duke. But you also have two fifth-year seniors that are like, we're dominating at a smaller school or just getting another year of eligibility. So I think it's going to – it probably makes college basketball much more exciting, at least compared to the last few years where I felt like it was on decline. It's a lot more fluid year to year, too. So you look at the guy who's likely the national player of the year, Oscar Shibway, transferred from West Virginia to Coach Cal at Kentucky – and just putting up 25 and 15 seemingly every night. Um, so I think a lot of it too is, you know, these guys, four or five stars out of high school, play a year or two, not really a good fit with the coaching staff, explore their options, see if they can uh, become stars. I, I think a guy to keep an eye on who might do that is Andre Curbelo. Didn't really work out at Illinois this year. Highly, highly touted recruit, had a great season uh, in 2020, but didn't work out this year. Now, I mean, Gonzaga is a possible landing spot. Other high major places with with coaches who have had a lot of success with talented point guards. You can see a lot of reclamation projects like that. Um, what, what, what was his name again? Andre Corbello. All right, because uh, I'm going to keep an eye on him because uh, my Washington Huskies have done a good job of bringing in transfers and putting them at point guard, especially in scoring. We saw it this year of Terrell Brown. I think he did he end up leading the Pac-12 in scoring or did he finish second? I'm not sure, but. Uh, yeah, hopefully we can get that guy. I'm going to keep my eye on him. Yeah, it's pure well, speculation yeah. at this point, but he's uh, yeah. he's a guy that'll make probably two or three ridiculous um, passes or plays per game and then a lot of stuff that just makes you tear your hair out. So if he can <laughs> find the right fit and and just kind of bottle that energy and uh, you know take away some of the, the frustrating plays, I think he can still be a, a very successful high major player. If he's considering somewhere like Gonzaga, I'm sorry to tell you, George, probably not going to the Huskies. Yeah. Well, you might get some more playing time. It's Pac-12, so you never know. I'm I'm keeping my hopes up, man. We're watching right now. You know, you got the NIT on right now, semifinals. We're watching that, and it's 
another Pac-12 school. I'm just holding hope that my Huskies can turn it around. It's been a few years without making a tournament. So I know I was watching some of Washington State too uh, before we yeah. started recording. I, I really like Kyle Smith. Came up from San Francisco, big West Coast Conference guy uh, with my Zags. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I thought they they had a chance to push for uh, the NCAA tournament in the preseason, yeah. and maybe next year. But putting forth a, a good postseason performance in the NIT at least. Absolutely. And uh, speaking of Gonzaga, we talked about them before. The pod. <laughs> least and I, favorite and love, team. <laughs> yeah, and I love talking about them when they lose, especially. But um, they've now been to two national championships. They've been in one seed multiple times. They've gone far multiple times and still haven't been able to get over that hump. Do you, I mean, obviously it can happen any year. But what it, this year and last year, I feel like, was their prime opportunity to do it. And now what they have to lock, reload, Holgram's probably gone. But what, what do you think in Zaga? I mean, is it year in, year out, they're going to challenge for a championship or bust? Is that what they are now? It, it is championship or bust mindset now because, I mean, the, the, goal co- the goalposts keep getting pushed further and further back. Um, I mean, yeah. they've, they've done everything except win a championship. And until they do, they'll be <laughs> looked down upon by, you know, certain – people um on college basketball internet because mm-hmm. i mean it's it's seven straight sweet 16s the the longest active streak two national wow. championship appearances as you yeah. uh noted first it was just when will gonzaga get to the final four they've done that um now it's yeah it's just winning the big yeah. one and last year was far and away their most talented team most talented team that mark few has had um and then you get a a recruit the caliber of Chet Holmgren, and you kind of forget about all of the guys you lost from last year's squad. Jalen Suggs, lottery pick. Corey Kispert, first-round pick. Joel Ayayi on the perimeter, a great two-way player. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you've got decent guys that you're elevating. Nemhard, more often than not, is a, a good player. But Julian Strother is going to be a great college player. He's not there yet. He's not ready for the role that, that Corey Kispert had. And Arkansas really took advantage of that, bullied them. And we're winning every 50-50 ball. And it doesn't matter how good your big men are if you don't have guards good enough to get them the ball. And that's, that's basically exactly. what that came down to. Yeah, we saw that with Auburn and Jabari Smith, same same exact yeah. thing there. Yeah, yeah I, I just, you know, when you mentioned those names for Gonzaga, <laughs> I guess when we got Chet Holmgren, I, I think I kind of just assumed like, oh, yeah, they're just as good as last year, right? They got a top five recruit in the nation. Um, I guess I tended, I really forgot the JHIA, however you say it, and uh, Corey Kispert, and of course, Jalen Suggs, I realized was a big loss, but that was, you know, like their three highlighted guys last tournament. So there was a lot more losses than probably additions for this year. But, you know, I I think it's, I, I feel kind of bad for Mark Few because, you know, at first I was like, maybe this Gonzaga team, like maybe early 2000s, I was like, maybe they're like Butler, they're going to be good for like two, three years, right? And then not necessarily be like a super contender, but it's not the case. Like, I mean, he's bringing in, like you said, teams that go to Sweet 16 minimum every single year, a team that's mm-hmm. a number one seed at, at minimum every single year. I just feel like at some point that type of coach has to win a championship, right? Like, it's just, it, it feels wrong when they don't. 
Yeah, they're kind of backed in a corner uh, from geography as well, because the the one knock people throw out there, even though, it, I mean, it doesn't matter because they clean up a non-conference every year, is mm-hmm. join a real conference. And, mm-hmm. you know, BYU is joining the Big 12, but Gonzaga doesn't have a football team, so they can't join the Pac-12. Um, they, you know, they can't join the Big 12, not that, that would make much sense. And your options at that point are like the Big East, which... I mean, you're in Spokane, Washington. The Big E's are going to be a little difficult. Like Creighton is already stretching it. Like that's that's not going to work out. So, I mean, they're, they're locked into the WCC. You like to see, um, you know, how competitive the conference was this year, San Francisco making their first tournament since 1998, Todd Golden immediately getting pushed to Florida. So don't know Mm -hmm. if that'll continue, but (laughs) St. Mary's is quality every year. BYU is probably going to be a big loss. So yeah, it's, uh, it, it is really championship mm-hmm. or bust. Yeah. My my thing with them is, I mean, like you said, they clean up in a non-conference, but I wish they could re- reverse that for their success, right? Like go into the non-conference at the end of a season, which I know is not possible. So you're more equipped for the tournament. I don't know if maybe playing in the WCC, not having that, you know, game in, game out, close affairs where you're trying to win the game in the last three minutes, last four minutes. And then going to a tournament and playing an SEC team, just it's like a disadvantage in a weird way. Like where they're just as talented, but they haven't. It's been like months since what the non-conference in November before they they had really some really high quality games. I actually think it is a disadvantage. I mean, like that sounds crazy, but they you know to go on a twenty-game winning streak every year with ease, winning by twenty-five. I think as a team, like I thought it was good for them when they lost to St. Mary. Like, okay, like have some controvert, have some trouble, figure it out, get in the film room. What is Mark Feud like? What do they have as coaching lessons when they win by 25 or 15 games straight? I think it's a disadvantage. Like they don't have, they don't get to figure out where their matchup problems are against, like you said, George, a SEC team where they have five, six foot eight athletic guys compared to the WCC where like, you know, there's one big one point guard, one wing player that's decent. It's actually, it's a good conference, but it's not a great conference. (laughs) There are there are certainly such things as good losses when you are securely in the field as Gonzaga is, and you're right. There's there's teaching moments to be had um, when you find out, hey, we're not invincible. We can lose to a team like St. Mary's, and I, I think part of what helps Gonzaga immensely in the WCC is they have a massive target on their back, so they get every team's best shot um, every season. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, having three four quality good teams um is is really all they can do at this point and you know santa Santa clara is a a program that's been building up under herb sendek not ncaa tournament quality just yet but the hope is they'll get over the hump and kind of fill that void that byu is going to leave behind Uh, but again like that there's nowhere else for them to go like they 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 can't there's no other conference that would uh immediately be a step up I guess mm. the Pac-12, if they like, are okay with no football team, but they're not going to be okay with that. No, so, they will yeah. be okay. No. The only thing that would make sense, I guess. But yeah, yeah, that's tough. Yeah, they're they're screwed. But it, honestly, they're screwed with the conference situation. I still think they're going to get one one day. But oh, yeah. I, I do want to bring up. Uh, we got to talk about them for at least a minute, just quickly. Is St. Peter's right? Because I is. That's what makes the tournament beautiful. And I think you said it at the beginning is, you know, it, you have those Cinderella stories, but it always ends up shaping out to the better teams. But there is something special about those 
Cinderella stories. And and I know we love watching quality, but in March Madness, it's not even, you know, quality. I, I guess in like I'm putting it in terms of other sports and stuff, but like it's not always about the quality. The story's really big. I did see for the Sweet 16 win against Purdue, I think it was 11 point something million viewers, which is the most in 10 years for a Sweet 16 game. So people were behind the St. Peter's movement. People wanted to see these upsets. I just like, do you think this is my question? Do you think there's ever going to be a team like a Cinderella Cinderella story like that that can like find some actual decent con- continued success? Because we've seen teams like George Mason and we've seen other whatever like small schools do it, but no one ever just continues success. And I don't think it's going to be St. Peter's, just like it wasn't Florida Gulf Coast. But do you think there'll ever be a team that we like find that Cinderella and then actually keep it going? There is a pretty strong correlation between success in March Madness and you know getting money, which which yeah. is really the <laughs> the biggest hurdle for a lot of these schools. Like when you look at the the facilities and, and everything that St. Peter's has working against it and, and going up against a school like Kentucky in the first round, that's that's just a, a massive, massive upset. Um, you know, St. Peter's within the last decade uh, has overcome so much really off the courts, um, just in terms of, of facilities, lack of funding. They finally got uh, the biggest gift they've ever gotten a couple of years ago, which they've used to, to renovate some of their facilities um, and, and build out you know, their, their home arena. But over the years, we've had schools like VCU, Butler, Butler moving from the Horizon League to the A-10 to now the Big East, Loyola Chicago um, moving up to the Missouri Valley and now to the A-10. If you have success over the years in March Madness, you can play your way up into uh, a a more consistent seat at the table, so to speak, Um, going to leagues where you can have at-large opportunities. And also another thing is when you have March Madness success, like Butler's applicants to go there, skyrocketed st peter's oh, yeah. as well um you know i i know a, a lot of my friends from high school i know probably five or six um from here in chicago ended up applying to and going to butler after you know some of those tournament runs um but mm-hmm. yeah probably wouldn't have been a consideration before the tournament yeah. runs right yeah, like, yeah it's marketing for the school yeah <laughs> yeah exposure and i mean and again like the great thing about st peter's run too is these were not fluky wins uh, you know, this is a, a talented roster. Shaheen Holloway, who now accepted the job to uh, be Frank's alma mater, Seton Hall, well-deserved, did a great job out coaching um, a lot of these, you know, more elder statesmen who have been in the game for a while uh, by, by throwing out a lot of things they didn't expect, using 10 guys um, to just keep constant pressure on opponents and, it's a solid roster too. You've got the uh, the Drame brothers who won a uh, a silver medal at the U nineteen World Cup with Molly. Um, Doug Eddard took all the headlines and definitely yeah. a great two way player in the paint. But yeah, I mean, if uh, if St. Peter's can try to bottle this, get some guys to come back next year and uh, beat Rick Pitino in the MAC again, then who knows? Yeah, absolutely. And it's uh, it's too bad their coach has already gone, gone to Seton Hall, but I see why. He played there too, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah this so, is alma mater. He spent yeah. a lot of time there as an assistant coach before taking the St. Peter's job. Very well respected within the game as a recruiter and tactician. So 
yeah, it's really, really hard to blame him for, for making <laughs> yeah. that leap to the Big East. Absolutely. Has he finalized the deal yet, or not? Like, it hasn't been pen on paper yet, right? But it's just been like, uh, I, I think it. They made the announcement like right, right after, pretty, right pretty after, pretty after the Yeah, after the game. yeah. <laughs> like Damn, al- so alarmingly quickly. Yeah. As soon as yeah, they were out, that was that was. The they, 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 yeah, Cian Hall had the tweet out already on saved on drafts. They just pressed tweet after the final yeah. score, probably. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. tough for St. Peter's though. I mean, because I I, w- I would love to see the same coach stay at the at the uh, at the Cinderellas for a couple weeks or a couple years. Sorry, not a couple weeks, couple we- years, because uh, so we can actually see maybe if they can build a, a program. But I don't blame. Them. I'd get out too right away. I mean, you can't say no to the Seton Hall job. Yeah, he and he did the the work already. It's not like this was his first year at the school. He did the the hard work of, of building this program to a place of respectability. Um, and I mean, that's that's really the hardest part is is just yeah. getting a program like St. Peter's, one of the hardest jobs nationally, to be a, a winning program, and then obviously success in March Madness really capture everyone's attention. Um, I mean, you gotta you gotta go to the Big East. A lot more resources, a lot more money, a lot more ability to to land, you know, four and five star guys. So yeah, I, I, I have a stable long term job that yeah. pays well. <laughs> Facilities, uh, yeah. <laughs> and, and I mean, Kevin Willard really just did the same thing at uh, at Seton Hall. They were they were a joke in the Big East when he got there. He got them up to a, a place of they can contend for a Big East title every year. Now he's gone to Maryland. Shaheen Holloway comes home. Everyone's happy. <laughs> yep. I think that well, goes to Maryland. I forget, Maryland hasn't been good in a long time either, huh? No. no. It's been a while. It's a, it's a sleeping giant. That. Yeah. That's interesting. Huh. That I didn't even realize that happened. Now I'm like, okay, yeah, yeah. That's going to be interesting because Maryland's <laughs> been in the dumps for a while. It's like yeah, early days. Was, what was that guy's name? Vasquez, right? Was it... Grievous Vasquez. Yeah. yeah Grievous no, Vasquez. <laughs> <laughs> Gary Williams had a lot of success there. Got the natty over my Hoosiers in 2002. But uh, since they joined the Big Ten, Mark Turgeon was uh, not especially well liked by the fan base, and then just kind of quit midseason this year. It's like you can't fire me, I quit. And then Danny Manning Lost did move. the best he could. Uh, <laughs> interim status, but uh, yeah, this was a, a team that severely underachieved for the talent on the roster. So. It's another sort of rebuilding job for Kevin Willard, but it's a it's a place that definitely cares about basketball and will give him whatever he needs to be successful. Absolutely, like that move. Well, uh, I guess with the final four coming up, uh, who do you think is going to win it all? I mean, we got. I'm going with Duke. I think the I think it's just too much of a storybook <laughs> ending for Coach K. It almost feels like it's fixed, but I know it's not. But yeah, that, who are you going with? I'm gonna go with Kansas. Um, I think, I, I think it's a very favorable uh, run that they've they've gotten. They, their Achilles heel all year has been, you know, not dominating interior play, which is a real Achilles heel in the Big Twelve. But they've they've been able to avoid that on their run. Like I said, Miami doesn't really have big men, and um, you know, McCormick was able to take advantage of that in a ridiculous 47 to 15 second half um, that yeah. they had in the Elite Eight. Um, no Justin Moore and Villanova. It's their second best scorer after Gillespie, second best mm-hmm. defender after Jermaine Samuels. Um, so that'll be a good Final Four matchup. And then, like, 
Remy Martin remembering how to play basketball is one of the biggest stories in the postseason. Um, <laughs> this is a guy who is the Big 12 preseason player of the year. Um, really struggled to see the floor. Some talk about internal strife between him and Bill Self. Doesn't even average 10 points a game for the season, but really puts it together in the postseason. The most outstanding player in the Midwest Regional. If he is playing at that level and you've already got two dynamic All-American caliber players on the wing in Christian Brown, Ochai Egbaji. I like their chances. Um, I just, I, I will not be able to live with a world in which uh, Coach K goes out on top. I need to yeah. manifest something else <laughs> it, happening. It's going to be nauseating after it happens, I'll tell you that much, <laughs> or yeah. if it happens, because it is nauseating. <laughs> I, I mean, I think I, I laugh at it every time, and no, no offense to him and his wife, but the walk with his wife through the through the tunnel before every I game. I fucking just, hate the walk with the wife. They're, I don't like, know. <laughs> they're cutting it's away like, from close games just to show him walking into the stadium. Like, what are we doing here? Yeah, I know. And like, I know it's supposed to be endearing. It's like the grandma and grandpa walking in, but it's just like, dude, you're a basketball coach. Like, we get it. It's your last season. Like. Just walk in like you normally do. You don't be walking in with your wife. This isn't well, like a, I don't know. I just hate it. Well, he did say, he was like, oh, I wish the, all the attention wasn't on me during this run. I'm like, well, there's a very simple way to do that, uh, Coach Kate. You didn't have to announce it was going to be your last yeah. season. And then maybe the attention wouldn't be on you this whole time. Like, yeah, I get the nausea. Anyway. I just think it's going to happen. If only there was some way we could have avoided all of this media attention. You really hate to see it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> if only we didn't know it was your last year, maybe, <laughs> just maybe, we would be in a different situation. I, and that's just what, like, I, go ahead, go ahead. Just comparing and contrasting with uh, Roy Williams retiring after last year. Um, mm-hmm. No one knew it was coming. And then Hubert Davis taking the heels to the final four in his first year after all the the bumps there were in the road and mm. just how emotional he was um, after winning that elite eight game. You see how much he cares about his guys. And yeah, I mean, that'll, that'll be a great semifinal, but I, I think everyone who is not a Duke fan is going to be rooting for North Carolina in that game. Mm. Um, I, I just feel like that's, that's a much better story and, and everyone's a little tired of the, the shtick at this point. Mm. I'll be rooting yeah. for North Carolina myself since my bracket's busted. <laughs> yeah. There you go. I'm rooting for that. North Carolina. I just feel like Coach K, you know, continues to do the whole not about me thing. But then, like, he was – I don't know. I, I followed a bunch of North Carolina, like, TikTok pages that are comparing Hubert Davis's quotes to Coach K's. Coach K's was like, it would mean a lot for me if we, when we won that game. It meant a lot for me. And it was like Hubert Davis was hitting, it was perfect. He was like, it means so much to the guys. I don't care about it for me. It means so much to the guys in the program. And for Roy, like, like he left what he left this program behind for us. And like, it was just like, it was more and more. And I know Coach K is a legend. Like, I, I kind of actually like Coach K, but it was just one of those moments where I'm like, okay, I'm tired of this. Like, you actually did bring all the attention to you. So we're, we're yeah. rooting for North Carolina. Yeah. Can, can act so woe is me. Like, why are all these cameras here? It's like, you know what you did. <laughs> Don't want the attention, but I'm going to walk in with my wife. We're going to cut the broadcast. We're going to gingerly walk in together, make it a scene. Like, all right, fine. And but like, Duke, I, Duke's a... playing really well, too. So, like, I almost I feel know. a little bad for the players. Like, Mark well, Williams has, has turned into a, a defensive force. Jeremy Roach has really turned it around at the point guard position. But, like, 
no one talks about any of that because yeah, you know, there's, there's just can... Coach K looming over everything. I know, and it's hard for us too because Banchero is from Seattle, so like part of me wants to root for him, but at the same time, it's like, man, nah, can't do at it. At the same time, actually, in the, with the Banchero subject, um, you might find this interesting, B Fox. Uh, I did some research the other day, and I was like, you know, why didn't Banchero pick? UW. Why didn't he want to be a Husky? You know, he's from Seattle. He has the Space Needle tatted on his arm. You got to rub salt into my wounds, man. <laughs> no, no, but I, I want... There's even more reason you should be rooting against Duke. You know, if he was just a Seattle guy, like, just plainly born and raised in Seattle, whatever, I would give him a pass. But I found out that his mom and dad both went to University of Washington. Dad played football for the Huskies. Mom played college basketball for the Huskies. And he still chose Duke over over the Huskies. So at that point, you just got to root against him, George. You're right. You're, I probably do. I probably should just root against him. Fuck Duke. <laughs> and fuck Panchero. Yeah, exactly. I, I was going to say, too, like, there's no there's no Grayson Allen. There's no Christian Leitner. There's no, like, prototypical, hateable Duke player. It's all just Coach K trying to make it about him and, and taking yeah. away from all of the, he, the quality <laughs> basketball happening on the court. Yeah, he's a hateable Duke player. He was probably going to trip Huber Davis on the sideline or something. This game. That, that, that's the hot take. Coach K <laughs> is Grayson Allen. That's our hot take. <laughs> Coach K going to turn into Juwan Howard and just take a swing in the postgame line. Like that, <laughs> that would break the internet. That would. The 70 year old, 75 year old, whatever he is, man, take a swing and a punch in his last few games. <laughs> yeah. I, I will say, by the way, I do have Villanova as my my picks. We all have three different picks. Um, and Villanova, I have a my theory is I've been hearing a lot, you know, in the sports media world, people basically saying, you know, there's not going to be another dynasty like this, like a guy that wins six, five, six, seven, whatever championships. And my theory is there's only one guy right now that I could actually see doing it, and it's Jay Wright. And I feel like I could see Jay Wright being that guy that ends up with, you know, two more, maybe three more over 15, 20 years. And I don't think he's going to leave Villanova. Um, he's already at the school of his choice. And I'm pretty sure he is a Philadelphia guy, if I was not mistaken, um, like originally. I don't know if that was right, but there was some, there was something, the reason I had, and they're a powerhouse already. He's won two championships. I feel like Villanova might be the next Duke-ish, Coach K-ish situation. Um and I just feel like when you watch them, they feel like the most professional team out there. And I think Kansas is kind of right there with them because Kansas is uh, when I, I was impressed watching Kansas all tournament, but I just feel like Villanova's professional. I don't know if that makes any sense, but I feel like it's an NBA team that they all know their roles. They all know exactly what to do. And I know they lost, you know, one of their best players to the Achilles injury, but I feel like they're so professional that they find a way around these things. And they're just that type of team. I feel like I'm watching a pro team that's been together for five, six years and on championship runs. Villanova is a machine, and I think they yeah. probably have the best program culture year after year, um, in which you just alluded to. But yeah, like they're they're not a team that's going to be loaded with lottery picks. It's a lot of guys then staying with the program. Colin Gillespie uh, coming back for another year this year, and yeah, like. My only concern at this point is, is depth without Justin Moore. They're not a particularly yeah. deep team. Um, last time Moore went out earlier this season, Ryan Archidiakono's little brother made an appearance, and we all found out there was another one. Uh, so we'll, <laughs> see, we'll see if Chris Archidiakono can, can be productive again. Uh, Brandon Slater's a guy that really has to step up 
without Justin Moore. He's had two games already in the postseason where he has scored zero points. And that's just not going to cut it against Kansas. But big picture, I, I think Villanova, there are a lot of parallels you can draw with Gonzaga because the knock mm-hmm. for a while against uh, Jay Wright was, you know, they're choke artists. Can't get out of the first weekend. They get high seeds. Can't figure out how to make runs. Um, you know, Scotty Reynolds finally kind of broke that mold. They went on that deep run, finally got over the hump after a second round loss by winning the national championship. They've done that twice and they're back in the final four. Um, and this has kind of become more the norm for Villanova is these mm-hmm. deep yep. tournament runs. Um, and, you know, a great coaching matchup with Bill Self. Bill Self, if anything, I think is looking up a little bit at what Jay Wright's been able to do. He's got that one national championship. Mario Chalmers saved him a little bit by banking in a three to force overtime. <laughs> yeah. But Kansas has had a lot of disappointing uh, postseason finishes, disappointing Elite Eight lost Oregon, couldn't get out of the first weekend with Joel Embiid and Andrew Wiggins. Mm-hmm. And for a half, I thought we might be seeing something similar when Miami's up six at halftime, of course. Mm-hmm. That didn't happen all time. Whatever he, uh, I wish yeah. I could, nobody said at halftime there because they came <laughs> out like, like, oh my god, they were on just, they were just on a mission. It was almost like the takes that he knew would come out, like preemptively worked as bulletin board material at halftime. Because I, yeah. I was going back and forth with B Frank's, like, here we go again. Like, I am, I, I was ready to start a dialogue about Bill Self, but made sure that wasn't happening. Um, so that, I mean, even without Justin Moore, that'll be a great game. And whatever the national championship turns out to be, there's not like a weak link team here that you, you kind of like, uh, it's a great story, but you know, we'll see it end. Uh, like St. Peter's is out of it at this point. Yeah. Any of these teams could win a national championship Absolutely. and I would not be surprised. S- same here. And I think we should end this on a bill self story that I'm going to give the, Florida Sammy on. Well, I mean, I got, I have to go <laughs> grab him if you want me to. Yeah, but go grab him. No, they actually, we, they're far uh, away. No, <laughs> go get. You know, B Fox, I might not look the part, but I was once a <laughs> top recruit back in the day. Uh, yeah. And by top recruit, seventh grade. I mean, seventh grade. Uh, so I was. How it works when you're Middle Eastern is you grow to five ten ish at you know twelve and then you stop, right? But like yeah. at five ten, point guard in seventh grade, and you know, going through puberty much earlier than most people, right? You you could be a pretty dominant force out there. So sixth, seventh grade, you know, I was that guy. I was that dude. And I know people that will confirm this, you know, like I, I, he was, I, Sammy was five foot nine in seventh grade. He's yeah. Sammy's five foot nine and a half right now. Yeah. Oof. So like, <laughs> but I was, I was that dude. I was that magic Johnson point guard, just, you know, coming down court about the same height as everyone, maybe some post-ups shooting threes. And, uh, I caught the eye, a one cell, the Vegas super 64 tournament. And I think it was sixth grade, George, not seven. It was sixth grade. Um, and uh, he snuck me. This is this is, this is some tampering. He actually snuck <laughs> me a pair of Kansas Adidas shoes that I still have to this day. Uh, some wow. Jayhawks Adidas shoes, and uh, it was uh, quite the moment for me. I legitimately thought I was going to be a future D1 guy. Like it was, uh, I was very hyped. 
uh, you know, he kind of came and watched me in seventh grade and was slightly interested. And then eighth grade, everyone was about six foot four and I was still five, nine and the, the interest went away. So um, I'm, I, I don't know whether I like Bill Self or hate him, right? Because he might've kind of got my hopes up, but I got free shoes from him, um, but he never called back. So it's kind of like that bitter, like that, that girlfriend that I kind of like, I still like, you know, I'm like, oh man, that was so cool. She gave me the shoes, but like, you're kind of also an asshole. Never called me back. So it's gonna I, say I if you, <laughs> if you, if you wanted to play out the bitter X around, you just call up the FBI and you're like, hey, some tampering going on. Sixth all these, grade. All these, all these years later, yeah, we still have the evidence. Yeah, still have the evidence. Yeah, hey, that was that was not okay. Sick at that tampering. Time. Yeah, yeah, I mean, they they took Kelvin Sampson down at, at Indiana for phone calls that would be legal today. So, I mean, <laughs> that's true. Uh, that's true. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I always say maybe Bill Smelf isn't that great of a recruit. Someone else has to be honest, the recruiter. I, I'm sorry come, it didn't work on, out, man. but. <laughs> I was good, man. Come on. He should know. He should know by now. Like at his age, you should know that Arabs don't grow up past five foot ten. That's true. Yeah. That, that everybody was, that need, was everybody needs guards. That's true. You never know. Sometimes I watch St. Peter's, man. I swear I'm like, I could have been Doug. There's no <laughs> way I couldn't have done what he does. Like, just played some tough D and hit some open threes. I know there's about this. That's the one thing about St. Peter's. I know there's about a solid 20% of males in America that played basketball at one point that watched St. Peter's and was like, bro, I could have done that. I could have been Doug. Like if a, if a small gave me a chance and I'm not going to lie, I sat there a lot during the tournament and was thinking, could I have hit that shot? And part of me says yes, but I know if I probably played Doug, we'd realize how good he truly is, even though he doesn't look the part. <laughs> yeah. And I, I mean, there's, there's a lot of people out there with the the talent to the ability maybe, but if you're, if you're playing D one basketball at that level, that's, that's the equivalent of basically two full-time jobs. Um, just the, the time commitment you got to put in um, is, is unparalleled. Um, so all, all the respect in the world to those guys. Absolutely. Yeah. They're amazing. And they're, they're better than we even realize. Like there's a lot of us sit on our couch and say like, I'd be Doug. Yeah. Like, you can watch <laughs> Doug at LA fitness or at, just at a local pickup. Like he'd be the best player probably at almost any pickup game in america right with guys that aren't in college right now let's say with the guys that aren't like professional athletes you'd be like holy crap this guy's like a superstar on the la fitness court and it's just crazy to think because you know you watch it and you feel like he should be outmatched out there in these games but no he's he's in there oh yeah damn yeah, absolutely so, current current d1 guy like that would would just clean i, I see a couple yeah. like former d1 guys in in men's league just Every, every time down the court, like five straight possessions, walk up, train a three, walk up, train a three. So like someone who's still out there and in, in the shape that he's in would, yeah, go for like 30 and 10 every night. <laughs> that's crazy how it works. Well, I think that's all we got to any other, any other major topics that you had on your mind or any ideas? No, just anyone but Duke. Um, that's, that's really, that's all I'm going to be rooting for this weekend and, and Monday, if it comes to that point. But I think sincerely that, that Kansas is going to do it. Well, we got our picks out. We got Kansas, Villanova and Duke here, but I think we all, I can all agree and get on board with anybody but Duke theory. And we'll be riding Same that here. all weekend. All right. 
Well, much love. Thanks, and, Fox. And shout out the podcast one more time. Is what you're going to say, George? Sorry. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, B Fox and B Frank Show, Apple, Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcast. B Fox, B Frank Show on Twitter. Um, B Frank's been doing a, a great job. I've, I've filled in a couple times with tournament coverage, but he is our, our graphic connoisseur um, anytime you see those. But yeah. Got a, a new show out right now where you go in depth, even deeper if you can believe it, into the tournament and the final four. <laughs> um, and we'll we'll have another one out next week as well. So yeah. Appreciate it, you guys. We appreciate you, Thank man. Thank you for coming on. Awesome. You're listening to the Sports on Tap Podcast Network. Cheers to sports. Yeah.